This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. This morning, joining us, Dr. Jill Danford with Ascision St. Thomas. And uh, Jill, I, I guess first, talk a little bit about your background and, and what got you into practicing medicine. Well, yeah. So um, um, thanks so much for having me, Scott. I grew up in rural Texas, and my father was family medicine back when family medicine docs saw um, obstetrics and kids and adults and did C-sections and people showed up on our front steps. And this was the time before a lot of the HIPAA laws, and so we would go make rounds with our dad when our mom was busy. And so I just kind of grew up in a world of uh, medicine, and that was the norm at our house and at our um, at our kitchen table. So I kind of thought I wanted to go into medicine and looked around at all the sciences, did some molecular biology graduate work and realized that was not for me, and, and so went on to medical school. Interesting, and I'm sure you've seen changes over the years in medicine and uh, the way we practice. So that being said, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen? Yeah, I think that we've got we have know so much about medicine and just science in general that um, family medicine doctors have to know so much information just about the. Um, the different diseases that they treat from diabetes to high blood pressure and such that they need specialists for the more um, the more granular things that we treat. And I'm a urogynecologist and we can talk a little bit more about that. But I remember even as a child, my dad would go to work an hour early and read journal articles every day so that he would not um, become out of touch with medicine because it was changing so quickly. He retired last year at 70 and um, still reads journal articles and still stays up to date, but the amount of information is coming so rapidly that we need more specialized areas so that um, so that these amazing family medicine and internal medicine pediatric doctors um, don't have to know everything about all the things that was that was more easily done you know 30 years ago and of course your focus is on women's health and so that being said is everything changing in women's health as rapidly as we're seeing everything else change around the country in uh, medicine it is, and my specialty is a really good example of that. It is a board-certified fellowship, which for people who aren't in medicine, what that means is just like you do your residency in internal medicine or OBGYN, then we did three extra years in a hybrid of urology and gynecology um, to learn the specifics on medical and surgical treatments of bladder and, um, and different areas of the pelvis. 
before 2008, there was no fellowship for that. And people in general OBGYN would do training, and there would be these one- or two-year surgical trainings that popped up in as early as 1985 to 1990, but nothing structured or standardized. Most people who practiced what we practice would learn that in their four years of OBGYN. And now with OBGYN, or you can also come at this from urology, there's so much basic OBGYN or basic urology to learn that to learn these surgeries and these treatments is just too much for that short period of time of four years. You know, it seems like you can pick up any medical-related type newsletter, magazine, whatever it may be, but you often read about vague symptoms and problems that people have and how a lot of patients may come to the doctor with a, a list of vague symptoms. And one of those vague symptoms that I've read about is dealing with the bladder and some type of bladder discomfort and how a lot of women suffer from some type of bladder discomfort, but they may not be able to narrow down exactly why. So is that one of those symptoms you hear a lot about? It is very much. That's something that we treat every day because we know 80% of women are at some point going to have some issue with their bladder, whether it's pain, urgency, frequency. And a lot of those can be treated through their primary care doctor or their OBGYN. Um, but if those persist, then that's um, what we see. And in fact, I saw a patient yesterday that, that a lot of these patients come to us pretty distraught because they've had bladder pain and um, urgency, frequency for urination for three or four weeks, three to four months, and all of the workup is negative, and it really can start to make a patient feel like, you know, what is wrong with me? Is this in my head? Is this, am I making this up? And, um, and so we see that all the time, yes. And when you're uncomfortable for three or four weeks, it, it gets irritating and you probably become irritable. But when it goes on for three or four months, that can kind of start to bring you down, I would guess. Yes, it can. I mean, I tell patients all, all the time, you know, they'll say, I think I'm going to cry. And I'm like, well, that's why the tissues are in our office. Just about everybody cries in our office because by the time they get to our clinic, um, they've been told by multiple providers who've done extensive thorough workups that everything is normal, everything that they've found is normal. And there's something called bladder pain syndrome that it's a diagnosis of exclusion. You exclude infection, you exclude kidney stones and anything that could be dangerous. And it's, you can't see what's going on with the bladder, which basically is the lining of the bladder is irritated and there's become some defect at the microscopic or even molecular level of the lining of the bladder that's telling the brain there's something wrong even though everything's fine so it's sending a signal to the brain that there's um, there's a, 
bad stimulus in there. And so the patient is perceiving pain when there's nothing actually there that's causing pain. Um, and go ahead. I was just going to say, again, Dr. Jill Danford with us this morning. And that, that pain that those patients are experiencing, is there a way to, to fix that problem? Yes. So that's the first. I think what patients need to hear when they come in is first, I believe that you're having this pain. This pain is a real pain. It's not in your head. The second is we have hope for you. And we see this all the time. Um, You are not alone. And there are lots of different treatment modalities from um, taking medication to putting um, some fluid into the bladder to help heal and calm down the bladder. There's even Botox injections into the bladder. And these aren't things that you're going to have to do forever. We're going to get this under control. It may be, it may take six months or up to a year, depending on how long you've been dealing with this pain. But you have hope, and we do this all the time. And um, and most of the time, that just being validated and giving options um, is helpful. You know, it it may sound small, but solving the problem of pain, you know, maybe it's in your bladder or elsewhere in your body, but solving that problem of, you know, figuring out why you're having this pain and then fixing it, it, it can be life changing for somebody who has been experiencing pain for a long period of time. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, pain is something that is so... Um, it's life altering, like you said, and it can be debilitating. And when you have not had um, any type of chronic pain, it's really hard to appreciate and understand that, that it affects every aspect from sleeping to working to being around family. When you constantly have this idea in your head of if it gets better, when is it going to come back? And, um, and you, it can start to cause depression and, um, and other emotional issues as well. And how severe is the pain that some of the patients you see, how severe is the pain that they are having? Um, I mean, some of the patients have had to call out of work. Um, I have one patient who was actually off work for about a month before she got into us. And then some patients are able to work, but you can just see in their countenance when they walk in that they are dejected and that's all that's on their mind. So they're able to function, um, but they can't enjoy their lives. They don't go on vacations. They don't go to their kids' activities or their, um, their friend activities. Basically, they do the things that they have to do and then are at home the rest of the time. So if somebody is going, let's say, from doctor to doctor, trying to get to the bottom of what may be impacting, what, what may be causing a problem within them, but they're not getting the right answers, and I, I guess usually that's just because maybe they're just not at the right specialist. But when that occurs, how many, how many times do you hear patients who say, you know, I've been to five other places. This is the first time that I've really felt like I've gotten somewhere. That's, uh, that is probably a daily occurrence. Um, and a lot of it is that our subspecialty our, is relatively new in the scheme of uh, medicine. 
And so patients are sent to OBGYN, to urology, who have a little bit of training in this. But pain is something that's hard for doctors to treat. I mean, it's hard to see a patient not get better, and it can be frustrating on both ends. And so we have um, nurse practitioners who have dedicated their practice to bladder pain and overactive bladder. And, um, and so having that practice in, um, allows you to have lots of different modalities for treatment. But that's something that we hear every day. Hey, I know with back pain, the back pain sometimes radiates to other areas, maybe, you know, even towards your stomach. So it, it can be hard, I would guess, for doctors to sometimes pinpoint where exactly that pain is coming from. Is that also true with bladder pain? It is true. And a lot of times bladder pain can mimic urinary tract infections. So patients are treated for urinary tract infections um, because that's what it sounds like they're having. I have pain when I urinate or I have pain in my bladder when it fills up. And, um, and so, yeah, it can mimic lots of different other issues, like I said, kidney stones, just straight pelvic pain. So without a really good exam and knowing what you're looking for, it can be very difficult to treat. Now, I, I know there is an upcoming bladder seminar that is taking place. Uh, when and where is that? And what are some of the subjects you'll be covering when it comes to the bladder? Yeah, so that's going to be Wednesday, the 27th at 6 p.m. We're going to we have a practice of three doctors and four nurse practitioners. Um, that's going to be online and um, you can find that at our website and um, that we will uh, we'll be happy to post, and um, we'll be talking a lot about overactive bladder, and like which is the feeling that you have to go to the bathroom all the time, waking up at night to go to the bathroom, um, that urge to urinate, and when you run to the bathroom, you don't quite make it, so you leak urine on the way to the bathroom. We're going to specialize in. Um, in discussion of that particular topic. And again, with us this morning, Dr. Jill Danford with Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford. And uh, the problem of leaking urine, is that something that specifically comes after you have that first child, or is that something that can come even before that time? Yeah, so it definitely is a risk factor um, having children. But you can, we see women of all ages. We see women in their late teens. Um, that, and then we also see women who've never had a pregnancy. And um, it can be all ages, all, um, all ranges. And a lot of the leaking urine, we kind of put it into different categories of, is it that urgency, like I was talking about before, or is it specifically with um, exercising, coughing, laughing, sneezing, which is referred to as stress incontinence, not that the patient is stressed out, but the bladder is stressed or squished in the abdomen and urine is forced out. So some women may first start to notice this with a, with a New Year's resolution of, of getting into better shape, I would guess. 
Yes. So we have a lot of patients that come to our office and say, you know, I try to go to the gym and exercise, but I leak so much urine that it I'm not able to exercise. And that can cause a um, kind of a cycle of you want to exercise, you don't because you're leaking urine, and then you gain more weight. And we know that weight gain can worsen both urgency and stress incontinence. And so you just get into this cycle of continued worsening um, uh, leaking of urine. And is there a time that the muscles in the bladder, do they start to weaken at a certain age? And uh, is that something folks can prevent? So one of the big things that we have started doing is working with physical therapists So I'm just going to back up and say the first treatment modality that we have for patients is physical therapy of your pelvis, which sounds strange. And most people have never heard of this before, but all of the muscles in your pelvis that are around the bladder, around the vagina, where you um, deliver babies or carry babies, um, all of those muscles work together to maintain um, continence to keep from leaking urine. And so the times that we see the biggest spike in women's lives are, like you said, after having babies. And then as they, as women go through menopause and lose estrogen, those muscles also weaken. So the program that we have started is a um, what we call beyond birth and it's after delivery, you work with a pelvic floor physical therapist because there have been really good studies that show that working to get those muscles back um, after delivery, the earlier you can do that, the better long-term results you have into your 60s, 70s, 80s. Now, you mentioned that loss of estrogen. Is that something that comes in time that uh, those who are listening who are female, they can expect to happen to them at a certain age? Yes. So as you, um, around age, average 45, um, most the average age of menopause for women is 52 but around 45, you start to lose a little bit of estrogen. And the first place that you may notice that is vaginally. That's when women start to um, notice a little bit of dryness. They would also notice maybe um, some urinary urgency or frequency that they haven't before, or they start to get urinary tract infections. And um, the you know historically, we would say, you don't need to start any um, hormone replacement therapy until menopause, early to mid-50s. And what we're learning now is we're treating that too late, that we need to start treating earlier. And one of the things that most women that age and older in our clinic go home with is vaginal estrogen because it has very little side effects and the benefits are huge. Uh, we just had a question texted to us asking, uh, says they had a fallopian tube removed after a mass was found on it that was non-cancerous, but they've been having continued problems and the doctor recently ran tests showing they were low on estrogen. Uh, what, or rather it says, 
could that removal of the fallopian tube have caused estrogen to decrease? That fallopian tubes don't um, produce estrogen. That would be an ovary. If you have ovaries removed before you go through menopause, then that would cause a decrease in estrogen, but fallopian tube typically doesn't. Um, a lot of our patients do see um, some menopausal symptoms or what they think of menopausal symptoms when we remove fallopian tubes. And in the short term, and we're talking four to six weeks after surgery, you can have some like hot flash symptoms and things that seem like menopause just because you're your overall steroids, like your cortisol and everything is kind of out of whack. If it continues on, then it was likely your estrogen was decreasing and it happened to be at the same time that you have that had that fallopian tube removed. So with changes in hormones, can that lead to other problems uh, with other areas of the body, such as the thyroid or, or anything else? Um, the thyroid has its own hormones, but um, as you lose estrogen, you are at risk for um, osteoporosis, and that's why you see osteoporosis older in older women. Um, if you have your ovaries removed at a younger age, we recommend having hormone replacement. Um, if you're a candidate, obviously, um, there are some people who aren't candidates because that does help prevent bone um, density loss, which causes osteoporosis. That's what that is. Also, cardiac and heart um, issues are more common in women who've had, gone through early menopause or have their ovaries removed earlier. Um, those are two of the big things. And then the things that you hear about just whenever you pick up any magazine that asks about menopausal symptoms. So hot flashes, um, night sweats, um, some women can have a decreased sexual drive or dryness, um, and that those can all be affected by a decrease in estrogen. We had another question as well. And by the way, folks can text us at 615-893-1450. And this one says, uh, it says, hello, I'm a mother of five and I've noticed that after giving birth to my last child, my bladder has become weak. When I cough or laugh, I will randomly urinate just a little bit. Uh, is this normal? And if so, how can I fix it? Well, I'm so glad that she asked that question in that way um, because we have so many women that come to our office and say, I leak urine, but, uh, you know, that's just normal. And our job in our clinic is to stamp out that idea that leaking urine is normal. What we like to say is that is very common, but it is not normal. And so, um, yes, there are lots of things that can be done. And it sounds like this woman is a, um, a great candidate for either physical therapy and with five children, and um, that may not be an option. I will say with physical therapy, uh, our therapists are great about working with your schedules, and you can go once every two or three weeks even and get homework to um, do as you can at home in the evenings or in the mornings. But if that's not um, an option, we have something called urethral bulking, 
which is one of the um, best things that has entered our field in the past five years. It's a procedure, and you do need a little bit of anesthesia with it, but you don't have any downtime. So I've had patients the next, after the procedure the next day who've run half marathons and have hiked 20 miles. So you have injections into the urethra, which is the tube from the bladder, and those injections are a filler, like a, a, gel, a water-based gel that help to close the urethra a little bit and allow your muscles to continue to close whenever you cough, sneeze, or exercise. And so those are two very conservative um, things that can be done for women who are notice, starting to notice leaking um, that's becoming bothersome. And again, Dr. Jill Danford, our guest this morning, when it comes to women's health, and this is, I'm sure, true for a lot of women out there, because I know it's true for men, there's certain aspects of your health that can be a little awkward to approach once you're outside of that office of the specialist. So when you talk about physical therapy for some of the problems, uh, is it a situation where that physical therapist is a female and she sees whatever the problem may be on a daily basis. And, you know, whoever's going to be working with that patient, is it something they see on a regular basis? Yes. So we have um, relationships with several physical therapy groups across, um, across Middle Tennessee. And the ones who are specifically for pelvic floor are all female um, but they do treat males, too, for pelvic issues, but the ones are all female. All they do is work with women, and I, this is what I tell my patients. They work with women with all of the things that you could imagine would be embarrassing. So leaking urine, pain with sex, bladder pain, even leaking stool. And they do internal work, like vaginal work, but they do it in a way that's not clinical like your OBGYN. You feel very comfortable. And the thing that I also love about them is um, because that's all they do, you will feel so empowered and you'll know so much about your body and how to handle different situations that I keep telling our um, administrators we need a wall of quotes from patients who've seen physical therapy and come back and are like, that actually worked, or I had no idea all of these things about my body, and I know how to treat this particular issue. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable how um, how much improvement we see with our patients and how empowered our patients are about their bodies. We've got several more questions, and again, folks can text us at 615-893-1450, and uh, we will definitely get whatever question it has to the doctor. And uh, this next one says, I'm 70 years of age, and in the last year, I've been treated by or with antibiotics for five UTIs last year and currently being treated for another one. I also use estrogen hormone cream twice a week. Is there more that I can do or more testing that needs to be done? So the first question I would have is, have these, all of these that have been called um, urinary tract infections actually been cultured? Because then we're going back to that bladder pain. 
are you being treated for bladder pain syndrome? Uh, I mean, being treated for urinary tract infections when you actually have bladder pain. Now, if you've never had infections or pain and you're 70, it could very well be that um, you have lots of urinary tract infections. I love that you're on the vaginal estrogen because vaginal estrogen is the number one prevention for urinary tract infections after menopause. Changes the environment and it allows the good bacteria to fight the bad stuff. If you're still having infections, then we have lots of different treatments that we can do from a short course, like two to three months of a daily antibiotic to reset the um, bacteria environment in your bladder. We also have supplements, vitamin C and probiotics. We can do um, other, lots of other modalities, but it would be seeing us or somebody who is really invested in recurrent urinary tract infections in the um, postmenopausal patient to work with you. And the one other thing I'll say about that is it takes vaginal estrogen about three to four months of consistent twice weekly use to really see a change. And so we make sure in our patients that we give that to you, they know this isn't going to fix it in the next month. You really need to be, um, be working with that for a while. And this uh, next question here, it says, I seem to have severe swelling issues. My weight can fluctuate between 10 plus pounds per day of fluid. I've been tested for hormone imbalances, heart issues, and autoimmune diseases, and all they've come back with is normal each time. It says, I eat clean, but will swell no matter what I do. And currently, my wedding band is literally stuck on my finger, and my only option is to have it cut off at this point, which I refuse to do. And it says, I was just wondering if you had any advice on this type of issue of swelling. Mm. So a lot of people think that swelling has to do with the bladder. And when I tell patients, the bladder is basically a holding tank. It's a pretty simple organ. Your kidneys make urine and the bladder just hangs out and releases it. Um, Swelling a lot of times does have to do with how much salt and how um, and your heart, what it's taking in and what the kidneys are taking in. And so that would be a good question for somebody um, who works with those um, with those organs. Uh, we got to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll get to, we'll try to fit in at least one or two more questions here. But again, with us this morning, Dr. Jill Danford with Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford. And by the way, if anybody has any questions that maybe they would like to set an appointment with you for, how do they go about doing that? Do they need to go through their primary care doctor first or, or what should they do? Yeah, so we do recommend you go through either your primary care doctor or your OBGYN um, just to make sure that what you need is what we treat because it's really frustrating when you make an appointment and you come to see us and it turns out we don't do what you need. Um, So I would go through them. If you have any um, questions about that, our front desk is always happy to answer. So if you want to call our office, Um, they can talk to you about what we treat, but your primary care doctor is the best way to go through that. 
Sounds good. We're going to take a short break and then we will be right back. Make sure you stay with us. We'll try to get to some more questions in just a minute. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. When you have fire, water, or storm damage, Fair Construction can help. Fair Construction is also there to help when a car slams through the wall. Call Fair Construction and we'll board up, put down tarps, secure your home or business until the insurance coverage is approved. Call Fair Construction at 615-893-6120. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Fair Construction Company. We are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Download the My MTE app in Google Play or in the iTunes Store and keep up with your electric usage. The free app gives you better control of your power consumption and provides the ability to see exactly how much electricity you use. Simply search for MyMTE today. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Hi, this is Brandon. I am the drum instructor at Music World Drummer's Den. What Dave and I try to do, because we're drummers, is hands-on experience. We let you come back in the drum room so you can try drums out before you buy them, because online you can't do that. Taking private lessons, we jumpstart you a lot quicker than you can on YouTube. A lot of people try to watch YouTube and take lessons. We're hands-on. The Music World is Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Take control of your account management and energy consumption with the MyMTE app. Download from the App Store and manage your account, improve your energy habits and more. MTE, serving to make life better since 1936. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.52, just a reminder, in Laverne, at the Laverne City Hall, coming up on January 15th, which is this Monday, a special service is going to take place where they will be honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That's all taking place at the Laverne City Hall, starting at 10 a.m. this coming Monday. Our guest this morning, Dr. Jill Danford with Ascision St. Thomas, and as we said, if anybody has further questions that they would like to bring up perhaps talk to their doctor first and see about getting an appointment with dr danford but it's again good to go through your primary care physician first so in doing that do they just say well if you do send me to another doctor i, I would prefer dr danford how, how do they do that yeah so you, we are in the center for female pelvic medicine or urogynecology is our subspecialty and we have three doctors who work in Nashville, Murfreesboro, and Franklin. And then we have four nurse practitioners. All seven providers are female. And all four of our nurse practitioners are specifically trained in urogynecology. That's where they do their conferences. And they're actually bigger experts on some of these medical topics, um, like hormone replacement, et cetera, than 
um, the doctors because they really delve in and see those patients every week. Um, so, and all everybody work, we have someone at all three of those locations. So yeah, you can say Center for Female Pelvic Medicine, you can say Urogynecology, and if you want a specific doctor, you can go online and look at all of our um, biographies. But I will say all of the doctors have done four years of OBGYN residency. Dr. Jim Basaria and I did the same fellowship at Vanderbilt, and Dr. Merriman did a fellowship in North Carolina, but it's the exact same training, and we practice very similarly. And I'm going to try to get in at least two more questions, but most of the questions are fairly long, but I'm going to try to get this one in and one more. But this one says, I have uh, uterine fibroids that cause heavy menstrual bleeding. I've had a small hemorrhage over the holidays as a result of this. And I was, it says, one level shy of needing a blood transfusion. And my OBGYN started me on birth control, but I'm 47 and worried about my next period. And I'm currently debating having the uterus removed, but continue to worry about losing my ovaries and also having no testosterone. So it's asking for any ideas on, I guess, removing Mm -hmm. the fibroids instead of having a hysterectomy. And that's a great, a great step that your OBGYN did. And removing the uterus and having a hysterectomy is completely separate from leaving the ovaries. So your OBGYN can take out your uterus take out your fallopian tubes, which we do that because that's where ovarian cancer starts, but leave your ovaries. And so then you're protected from going through menopause, keeping all of the hormones, but you won't have that bleeding. And so if the conservative measures of um, birth control don't work, or there are a few other things, I would not hesitate to take out the uterus, do the hysterectomy, but leave your ovaries. And uh, we've got about 10 more questions, which I know we can't get to, but I'm going to go with this next one here that says, I have uh, burning and also pain in my bladder when I eat spicy food, especially and drink anything with citrus acid like orange juice. Is there a medicine that could help? It says, I would like to make an appointment with you as well. Yeah. So that sounds kind of classic for bladder pain syndrome, what we were talking about at the beginning. In the meantime, there's something over the counter called pre-leaf. It is basically like eating baking soda to help keep the the urine not so acidic. We think acid can be irritating to the lining of the bladder. So I would try that. There's also azo. And of course, I don't know. I don't know these people who are writing in. And so I can't say if you have any contraindications, talk to your doctor before you take anything. But we, this is something that's classic that we see um, in our practice. And I, I think we have time to fit one more in. It says, what supplements help with hair loss? And I have Hashimoto's and seem, and they're not taking any current medications. I guess they're saying the medicine they did take with Hashimoto's made them sick. So I guess they're asking for help with that. Yeah, Hashimoto's is something um, through the thyroid. It's where um, you need thyroid supplements. And um, when your thyroid is out of whack, that can cause hair loss. So the first thing you need to do is get your thyroid under control. We don't treat thyroid, but we do have a nurse practitioner who treats um, hormone 
um, imbalances, which once your thyroid is under control, if you're still having hair loss, then you might need um, some some hormone, other hormone issue, um, supplements. It sounds like there are a lot of questions that folks have. Uh, any guidance that you would suggest to those listening? Well, I think there's, like we talked about at the beginning, there's so much to go over with your primary care doctor that are really dangerous, your heart, your diabetes, et cetera, that sometimes you just don't have time for those. So scheduling an extra appointment with your primary care doctor just to talk about your bladder or your pelvis um, or your hormones is a really great way. And those can even, if your primary care doctor does that virtually, and then if you feel like that you need a little extra help, just asking them, can I be referred to a urogynecologist? Um, and we're happy to see you in clinic. And if anybody has further questions, the phone number there, 615-284-3060. That's one of the many numbers for Astigian St. Thomas. And I guess you could call any of the local locations and they'll point you in the right direction. That's correct. Yes. Thank you for joining us this morning. Well, thank you so much for having um, having us. We're grateful that you see the importance of this field. And uh, again, the date of that upcoming seminar is what? It's January 27th. January 27th. All right. Well, thanks again. All right. Have a good day. You're listening to WGNS Murfreesboro and news comes your way next with Ron Jordan.